Well, hey, and welcome back to the UNC Chi Alpha podcast. My name is Seth, and I am joined today by Chi Alpha director Joe Newell. How's it going, Joe? It's going good, Seth. It's um, it's it's that time of the year, man. One week until Christmas, last week of Advent, and um, it's pretty exciting. You know, it's yeah. the kind of the the fun time when your kids are getting a little amped up about. What might be under the tree for on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve if you do it on, if you open presents on Christmas Eve? I'm not sure. Do you guys have a, a tradition on that that front? Uh, it typically depends on where we're at for the holidays. So if we go to to my family's, um, it it just it just depends on when everyone can gather. Yeah. Sometimes we do it even earlier before before Christmas Eve and Christmas. Oh wow. Um, okay. So yeah, it just depends. Yeah. What about you guys? Yeah, you know, I've, I think we, we try to stay pretty traditional on doing opening presents on Christmas morning, Christmas Day. Um, but at the same time, we've had things like that in the past, too. Especially if you want to get broader family together. It's, um, you know, like my younger brother, for example, has spent many years as a fireman. Well, firemen work really odd shifts and things. So sometimes five days on, five days off, but they're like 24-hour shifts. And so kind of the same thing, you know, if we can get, when can we get everybody together and we'll do broader gifts there, but at least with our, our kids and stuff, we, we typically try to open gifts on, on Christmas morning, so, yeah. Okay, yeah. Have you ever done the thing where you, like, if the kids bother you, they you allow them to open one gift <laughs> before? <laughs> um, well, the bothering part, especially when they were younger, it, it certainly was there, right? They just, mm-hmm. they'd let's open one, maybe. I think the compromise we came up with that one was, um, our family likes games, mm, okay. and so if if we had gotten a cool new board game, let's say for Christmas, that would be like the one we would tell them this is the one you can open, and then that way on Christmas Eve, uh, as part of Christmas Eve, we do you know have hot chocolate and stuff like that and play play board game that board game with the kids. So, so yeah. it's something new and fun. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I like that. Well, here we are. We're on the fourth week of Advents, and as we light the fourth candle, we are talking about love. What can you say about about this theme today, Joe? Oh, man. You know, I think I think a lot of us view love, at least from our, our cultural and language context, we'll talk about in just a second, uh, probably very differently than the way that the Bible talks about love, and certainly the way that Jesus uh, showed us love. And so that's kind of going to be the focus for today. Um, you know, when you just Google love and you look it up and, and see what the first thing that pops up is like the Oxford Dictionary definitions. And uh, when you read that, you get things like an intense feeling of deep affection, kind of like a mother might have for her child. Or you get uh, a great interest or pleasure in something like, for example, I love football. And, um, you know, I love the Packers, as do you. That's right. probably yep. a good thing there. Uh, maybe not so much this year, but um, <laughs> but generally in the English language and in our culture, when we we talk about uh, love, it's it's something more akin to a feeling, right, or an emotion, and and so it, it can get really confusing. Not too long ago, we hosted some students from Japan here in our house, and you could quickly pick up on some of the language and, and cultural things that don't always translate very well. And I think sometimes love is is that way when you translate it in into English in particular, 
because when we use the word love, things can get confusing really quick if you don't understand the context in which it's being used. Right. You know, for example, we say love, uh, you can't say that love means the same thing or carries the same weight, for example, when you say, I love my mom, but I also love hamburgers. Right. Uh, I think mom might be pretty offended to find out if that was the same. <laughs> but um, the point is, the way in which we think, uh, in which we use and think about love is very different than the way that God has presented love to us. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, anytime I think of like very funny idioms, I always think of Brick from Anchorman who says, just starts naming things in the office if you remember that scene and he eventually points to the lamp and says, I love lamp and just goes on and on about loving the lamp and Ron Burgundy is like, Brick, do you really love the lamp? And so, yeah, that's 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 interesting. What would you say is so different about God's version of love that we can understand? Well, in, in Christ, love is not reduced to a feeling or an emotion, right? Not that it doesn't involve those things, but actually Christ presents it more as an action, and even more than that as well. For example, we look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. It says, but he but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And, and I think that phrase, he emptied himself, is really interesting in the Bible. I mean, it means that Jesus laid down his status, his privileges, his peace, his security, and came and dwelt among us, right? It's uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is a song that gets sung quite readily around this time of year. Um, but he didn't come just to empathize, of course, though he certainly experienced hunger and cold and loss and pain, disagreement, right? And all of the human challenges that we face, even, even death itself. And so he showed us the greatest love by choosing the obedience of sacrifice. He not only walked in our shoes, he left his shoes behind for us to follow in his yeah. as well. How, how, does that, how does that work? Well, I think maybe the best way to kind of explain that is look at Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31, um, where he, he's being challenged here. He's being actually, the, the, the religious leaders are trying to trap him in something that they can accuse him of. And when they ask him, what is the greatest commandment? And he responds by uh, uh, quoting the Shema, which was very familiar to them, and says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And he goes on in verse 31 to say, the second of the great of uh, the commandments, it goes hand in glove with that, is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so the point is God is saying, Jesus is saying here that loving God and loving people are intertwined. They shouldn't be uh, disassociated from one another, separated from one another. They're supposed to operate in tandem so that if I love God, I love others. And if I love others, I will turn... Uh, I will love God. So practically speaking, what that means is we come into people's lives and, and offer ourselves. So in, in a sense, Jesus has said, love's not just an emotion or a feeling, it's an action. Hmm. You can't just talk about loving something or loving someone. There has to be something very tangible that you do. So um, you know, when we come into people's lives and offer ourselves, sometimes that looks like chemo treatments, standing with them in that opening a spare room in your home for someone who's in transition from one life situation to another, giving to the less fortunate. Right. Uh, so in short, we lay down then our privileges, right? We empty ourselves, disrupt our peace and our comfort to love as He loved us. 
So we choose obedience to love that others might have life also. So in that sense, uh, we're using a Christmas story analogy. Love makes room in the end for the weary traveler. And so, um, you know, that's the challenge this Advent season as we head into Christmas in about a week is uh, whether you're the, the weary traveler or the one with the spare room, love. And in so doing, you bind yourself together with God and with others. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, that's a great way to frame that. You said that love is an action, but also that in Jesus there's more. How is that possible? Well, the Bible makes a claim that, that God did not stop at just showing the importance of loving or loving others and loving Him, but he, it claims that He is love, right? And there's even more to it than that. Look at, let's look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. It's a little bit longer, uh, sorry, 12. 7 through 12. We'll read all the way through 21. Sounds good. Um, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And so God is the source of love. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this, the love of God, was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation of our sins, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. So there's a lot there, but the two main things I would, first I'll start with, God is love, right? And so He is... Uh, Kind of both the, the perfection of love and the personification of love, not just a feeling, an emotion, or even the action itself. And so, but his love himself, if you will, is put into action on display that first Christmas. And every day since his coming by dwelling amongst us for the purpose of laying his life down for the forgiveness of sin. And that ultimately, the Bible tells us, is the greatest of loves, right? What is the greatest of loves? Is to lay your life down for someone else. Mm. And so if we love one another, then the love of God, in fact, God himself, dwells in us and is made perfect in us. So God is both the perfection and the personification of love. And, um, and that perfection of, and personification is then shared and given to us that we might freely give away to everyone else. And so God makes us his ambassadors of his love to everyone we encounter. And so the gift and the example is, is God himself coming and dwelling amongst us and loving us in that fashion for forgiveness of sins? But ultimately, the Christmas story starts that first Christmas and then emanates out from there through all of us as we share that same love. Um, I'll just wrap it up this way to say this. I, I realize this time of year can be challenging for some. Some of us are likely arriving at Christmas tired and in so many ways in unfamiliar territory. Maybe you've got some transitions going on or difficult things in families. And so um, sometimes we need to encounter people in places that we can find rest. And ultimately, I think the love of God and the love of God's people emanating out through Him because of the first Christmas is, uh, is really critical to that. So whether we're the traveler or the one with the spare room again, uh, I think the challenge is to burn the candle of love that makes the uninviting spaces hospitable. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so love dwells, I think, in the heart, the warmth of the heart that gives rest along the road. 
and uh, igniting and intertwining with the, the purpose of each soul. I think that's the way we're designed. And, uh, and I think Advent, and in particular Christmas, the love that Christ has shown us and exemplified for us and given us to give away needs to be shared. Yeah, that's that's great. I love the image of the the traveler or the one with the spare room. Definitely going to be thinking about that uh, heading into these final days before Christmas. So, yeah, thank you all for listening in, and we hope that you have a very merry. Christmas.